Hey, Danielle Bean here. I just wanted to come on before the start of the show to let you know that this week's episode is one that I was honored to share as an exclusive podcast at this year's Seek conference that took place back in February. Now that the conference is over, I'm able to share it with you all here. Its content is aimed at a young adult audience, but I think there's a lot here for even a long married mama like me to reflect on. So whatever your state in life, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Girlfriends. Thanks so much for being here. God bless you. Girlfriends, exclusive Seek 21 episode. Five skills to work on now if you want to get married later. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about five skills you can work on now if you want to get married later. An important topic. Can't wait to dive in. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Thanks for being here. A special welcome to those of you joining me through Seek 21. I am honored to have been asked to be an exclusive podcast that's going to be featured at Seek 21 this year. So this episode is going to be exclusively released ahead of time to those who are taking part in the Seek 21 conference. And it's happening online this year, as most events are. We're not quite there yet. I am feeling hopeful, though, that we will be there sometime soon because I am missing my in-person connections. But in the meantime, I'm so grateful to have all of these different ways that we can connect virtually, different ways we can experience community and connections online. And Seek 21 this year is exactly that kind of experience. I'm honored that girlfriends can be a part of it. So anyone who's meeting me for the first time, I just want to say hello and thanks for being here. Thanks for giving this episode a try. I'm an author and a speaker. I've been married for 26 years to my husband, Dan. Together, we have eight kids who range in age from 14 to 25. And so I always love the opportunity to speak to younger people because these are my kids right now. This is my life right now. This is These are the people that I'm loving and working with and praying for and kind of seeing out on their paths every day these days. So I really do have a heart for young people who are in that kind of discerning age. They're figuring out what you're going to study or who you might marry or if you might marry. And so that's the topic we're going to take on here today are some skills that you could be working on now if you think you're going to want to be married later. So I'm happy to have the opportunity to share this this topic especially, because I know this is something that's on a, a lot of young women's minds and hearts as they're going through college. It's natural to look ahead to the future and to dream about what might be in store for you, what kind of family God might have planned for you to have, who you might marry, and what that would be like. But I want to focus on stuff that you can be doing right now that will be helpful to you in the long term if you do want to get married, if you do end up getting married later. Maybe you're seriously dating someone right now and it's a very concrete kind of future you're thinking about, but maybe you're not even and you don't even know what God might have in mind for you in the future. Of course, not every person is going to wind up being married. Not everybody is called to the married vocation. Most of us are. But I think the kinds of things I'm going to talk about today could be applicable whether you wind up getting married or not. They're going to be the kinds of things that we need to work on because we're all called to make a gift of ourselves. Inside of marriage, of course, you're doing that uniquely, making a gift of yourself to your spouse 
forever until death do you part, fully giving yourself to that other person in uh, the beautiful sacrament of marriage, not just symbolically, but in very real ways, giving yourself to this other person. But no matter what vocation you're called to, we're all called to give of ourselves. We're all called to sacrificially give of ourselves out of love for others. So we're going to talk about this, especially with regard to marriage, because of course, this is what I have experience in, right? And um, I have young people sometimes ask me about discerning. So this is that word. (laughs) Those of you attending Seek and beyond, like we have this, this funny relationship with this word discerning, don't we? Like we we talk about, oh, I'm discerning if I have this vocation. I'm discerning what my major should be. I'm discerning what I should do with this particular job opportunity or this friendship. And I love it. I mean, yes, we should be prayerfully discerning all of these things. But I I just want to encourage you to not get stuck there. And that's part of what I would be sharing here is not get stuck in this idea of discerning where we're constantly, you know, second guessing ourselves and trying to figure out what God's will might be. I think oftentimes we human beings, we just do this, we make the whole concept of God's will sometimes more complicated than it needs to be. I mean, I remember a young woman in my life asking me not too long ago, you know, how did you discern that you were called to be married? And especially how did you discern that you were called to be married to Dan? And I didn't actually have an answer for her. And because when I look back on it, I was like, you know what? I I don't think I spent a lot of time discerning. And maybe that sounds terrible. But to me, it's not terrible. It's actually, it was a very natural thing that, you know, Dan and I were crazy about each other. We just, we just couldn't wait to get married and be together forever. We couldn't wait to start that. We couldn't wait to have a family together. It was like this drive that was in me. And it wasn't something I paused to discern about. Um, of course, the, all of this you know, assumes that you have a relationship with God, that you're participating in the sacramental life, that things are in order, right? But if things are in order, then the desires for good things that you have are very much part of how God's going to be communicating to you what his will is for you. So it maybe you can't give it a fancy name like discerning, but if you've got this drive in your heart to be married and have a family, that's a good thing. And that is part of how God is speaking to you with the desires for good things that he's placed in your heart. He's the source of that. So I just want to encourage you to not get too caught up in the idea of discerning. I think we can think ourselves in circles sometimes and we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Like, do you want to know God's will for you today, right this minute? Look around you. Look at the people in your life that God has put there, the opportunities he's given you to love and serve the people in your life right now. That's God's will for you. He wants you to love and serve the people in your life right now. So for those of us who are already married, pretty clear who that is, right? It's the people living under your own roof. If you're not yet married, it might be your roommates or it might be your siblings or your parents or your coworkers. The people that God has placed in your life for you to serve and love, that's that's his will for you. So as wonderful as it is to talk about discerning, and it's important sometimes, especially with important decisions, to seek guidance from other people, to seek spiritual direction, perhaps, talk to people that know you well and love you about what your goals should be. It's important to do all of those things. But I just want to give you that right at the start of today's show, this little encouragement to not get stuck there, not get stuck in the cycle of discernment, which can really feel paralyzing in a way that I think it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be as complicated as that. That said, if you feel like you are called to married life and you're wondering, what can I be doing right now? What kinds of skills would be helpful 
for me in the long term in this, you know, single life that I'm work living and working or going to school right now? What would be helpful for me to be focused on with regard to preparing myself for married life later? So I've got five basic ideas for the kinds of skills that maybe you could work on that you could practice, put into practice in your life today that will serve you well if you are called to the married life. So first one, this is the most important one. That's why I put it first, is you really need to have an established personal prayer life. This is important no matter what, (laughs) but looking back to like my college years when I had a lot of time and I was able to do a lot of things spiritually, spend a lot of time in prayer that, you know, in later years when I was married and had a bunch of little kids, wasn't possible anymore, wasn't even physically possible, certainly not emotionally possible for me in in the midst of the, the stresses of what I was going through. But I can really appreciate looking back the foundation that that relationship with God established. And that was sort of laying a foundation. It was formative for me in those years when I was in college and I was able to go to daily mass and practice different kinds of devotions. Not meaning you have to be perfect at these things, but being focused on forming your relationship with God and establishing a habit of personal prayer is so vitally important. No matter what God's going to be calling you to in your life, you need that. You're made for that. We're built for that. That's why God made you, for Him. We're made for our Creator. We're made for that communion and connection with God. No matter what else God is calling you to, that's what you're you're made for. So starting there, you know, be fully focused on that. If you think that God has called you to marriage and you aren't even dating anybody right now, you're not sure who who God is calling you to marry and you just want to be open to His plan— no better thing you could be doing than be focused on your relationship with God right now and firming that up. Knowing who you are in the eyes of God will enable you to be open to his will, open to meeting the person perhaps that he wants you to marry. Or if you are dating somebody and think that's the person God wants you to marry, doing that well, living out a life of virtue while you're dating somebody, all needs to be firmly based in that foundation of your relationship with God. So. I know so many times we think, I'm busy. I'm so busy. I, you know, I've got work. I've got school. I have all these obligations. I'm doing this volunteer stuff, all important stuff that you're doing, right? And so sometimes the temptation is to think that you don't have time for prayer, time for regular personal prayer, and we'll make excuses for it, or we'll make shortcuts in our prayer life, or we'll skip it all together sometimes for great long periods of time when we're extra busy. I know, I get it. I know all of those temptations and distractions, but this is me encouraging you to understand just how important it is, no matter what God is calling you to. But if God is calling you to the married life, this is an opportunity for you to be investing in that relationship with your creator in a way that will pay off with big dividends when you really need it, when you're not able to perhaps spend as much time focused on that relationship with God, focused on that time devoted, set aside each day for personal prayer. Not that you don't, not that you're going to just throw all that away if you get married and have kids, but it, it does become more challenging. Even if you're a very busy single person, you have more control of your schedule in your life than you will if you get married and have kids. It's like all of a sudden, all these other people are 
taking priority over yourself when it comes to deciding how you're going to spend your time. And you're constantly being interrupted. Not to say that you aren't (laughs) constantly interrupted. I think we all can understand that, the idea of busyness or being interrupted, or you make the plan for this prayer time and something else comes up or gets in the way of it. But I want to encourage you to be fully invested in establishing a habit of personal prayer time. It's great if you pray with other people. It's great if you go to parish events. It's great if you're part of a Bible study, all of that. But on your own, do you have time set aside where you are focused on your relationship with God every day? Even if it's just 10 minutes that you're spending maybe in quiet in the morning, placing yourself in God's presence, asking God to give you the strength you need to carry out his will that day, asking God to give you the grace you need to be open to what he's calling you to do, asking God to help you to grow in virtue, asking him to help you know what your vocation is and what he would have you do, asking for his help, asking for his strength, asking him to tell you who you are in his eyes. So important that we be firmed up in that identity as a child of God. It's a precious child of God, that you open yourself up to knowing, experiencing even just a little bit, just how much he loves you. I think it's so vitally important to understand that. And that only comes when you have established a habit of daily prayer, a relationship with God. He's not going to turn off Netflix for you and speak to you from a cloud in the sky. I mean, maybe, but most of us, that's not our experience of God. We need to be open to hearing him and making those spaces of quiet in our life to be able to truly connect with him. So really establishing a habit of daily prayer, understanding sometimes it's going to be disrupted, and also just establishing that habit of daily prayer, knowing it will look different. Even if you don't ever get married, in future years, you're going to have different things that you're doing. Your life is going to change. Your responsibilities will change. Your opportunities will change. And it will never look again quite like it does now. So take full advantage of the ways in which you are able to focus on establishing that habit of daily prayer, being in relationship with God. It's important for every human being, but especially looking ahead, if you think you are called to being married and having children, having that in place, having that habit in place is so important. So cultivating that habit your life it will change. It will be different from how it is right now. So take advantage of the opportunities you have now to fully focus on that. So that's the first way, the first skill that I would say you should be working on if you think you want to get married later. All right. Number two, this one is more practically speaking, just family skills. Like maybe you don't know how to pack a diaper bag or maybe you don't know how to buckle a baby into a car seat or you know all of these things that will be important. And if you do get married and have children... I would encourage you to be around families. Do you have women that you're friends with that you could connect with and just be with their families a little bit? I think these are wonderful friendships. Over the years, some single people that our family has been friends with and that might come over for dinner or you know hang out with us socially in other ways have been such a gift to us. And I know, on the other hand, we also have been a gift to them in giving them a little taste, a little experience of that family life. Maybe you are an aunt or an uncle, or maybe you have a a girlfriend who has kids and who's married and a little bit ahead of you. And you can experience a little bit of what family life actually is and what it looks like in 
all of the messiness of it, but also the joys of it. Maybe you are an older sibling and you still have younger siblings living at home. And so family life still is a real thing to you that you can experience in those ways. But if you find yourself a little bit removed from it, you might need to be a little more deliberate about how you do that. You know, I remember years ago when our kids were all pretty little and we were homeschooling and it was just the chaos of those early years of parenting. And we were still very much figuring things out. But I remember a girlfriend of mine who had just gotten married and didn't have kids yet. She asked if she could just come over sometimes. And I think we picked like one day a week that she would just come over and hang out. And sometimes she just sat and read a book on the couch and just was another adult in the house during those hours. And other times she was like hands-on when we were doing a project or whatever. Or maybe we were going out somewhere and she was a part of that. And I don't think we did it a ton, like probably less than 10 times she came over like that. But I loved having her there. It was nice. And I I remember that she really appreciated it. And she was the one who kind of instigated this. She was the one who set it up and asked if she could do it. And she was just kind of preparing herself, like trying to get kind of a peek into our windows. Like, what does this look like? What is this? And what are some of these skills that I might need to learn. And one of the most basic skills is just like not having a child be a foreign creature to you. <laughs> like if you get married and have kids and you haven't been around kids, you you will figure that out. Like you will. But how much nicer to have some idea of what it is going in. I'm a firm believer in the fact that nothing can prepare you for, for any vocation, honestly, in, in a real way, other than just doing it. In my own experience, nothing can prepare you for what marriage is until you get married. You don't. Nobody can adequately explain to you or prepare you for it. But there are things you can work on. Same thing for parenthood. But being around people so that it's not some foreign concept to you, I think is really helpful. And getting an idea of like what what kids are, how they interact, and just getting more comfortable with that, I think is hugely helpful. It could be hugely helpful to you in your future life as a married person. So I would really encourage you to look for ways that you can do that. Maybe at your parish, there's a family that you could offer to, you know, be hands-on mother's helper for them. I mean, who wouldn't want that? But it doesn't always have to be about like you serving them in some way. Just like invite them over maybe for dinner. And you can develop a friendship in that way that might be reciprocated. And, you know, just look for ways that you can have authentic connections and relationships with people that are in the throes of family life so that you can experience a little bit firsthand what that's like. Not that you're going to perfect all the skills of being a mom, but you can familiarize yourself with it. And in a way that I think will pay off in great ways long term, even if it's just that it's not such a shell shocking situation for you, you'd be like, okay, I actually know what what that's like to change a diaper or I know what that's like when the kid is just screaming and won't stop or when a two year old has a temper tantrum or or the flip side of it. I know what it's like to have a toddler snuggle up in your lap and you read a storybook to them and what a beautiful connection that is, how wonderful it is to to play that role for a child or just going for a walk in the park with a child and seeing the world through their eyes and being open to that kind of wonder. What a gift that is. So learning to appreciate that, I think on some level before you are there yourself can be hugely helpful. So that's number two. And whatever basic ways you can connect with real families and gain some of those kinds of family skills. All right. The third thing that I think you should work on now if you want to get married later is learn to like yourself just as you are, who you are. 
like yourself. Know yourself and learn to like yourself. So, of course, that's a big project. And we're all in different stages of that, depending on where you are right now. But fully embrace where you are right now. Don't be living in the future. Maybe you really do want to get married and have kids and this is like a driving force in your life and you just feel called to it and it sounds so wonderful and you can't wait to get started. Well, don't negate the wonderful opportunity you have right now to just be who you are as an individual and appreciate that. Like, what are what are your skills? What are your strengths? What are the things you struggle with? What are the things you enjoy What kinds of things are a great creative outlet for you? What is a a way that you can bless other people in your life? How do you enjoy connecting with other people? These are important questions to know. Like this is an opportunity. And if you're a young adult, you have a real opportunity right now to fully explore who you are, what kinds of things you enjoy. Try new things. Try something you've never tried before. Learn a new skill. See if you enjoy that. See if you're any good at that thing. See if that's something you enjoy. Look for new ways to kind of expand your horizons and explore new skills and just open up your heart and your mind to who God might be calling you to be and fully get to know yourself. Do I enjoy this or that? Do I like to go for hikes or do I like to work on art projects or do I like to just curl up with a good book on the weekends? Who are you? And, you know, that is a great gift. If you can go into married life knowing who you are, because in my experience, there was nothing that was more challenging inside of married life than the fact that I felt so sucked up into it. Like I felt like at certain points and certain times, and I think this is normal and natural. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like I disappeared into it. Motherhood was this all-encompassing thing. And to some extent, like our culture, of course, would say, what? Like, (laughs) never disappear into something. You know, you need to be you. And of course, yes, that's true. But it is fully part of living out a vocation to give yourself fully to it. And and, and in some ways, you are going to experience that as like losing yourself in it to some extent. But it really can be a wonderful thing if you go into that before you ever even experience that, knowing who you are and being able to reconnect with that person inside of some of the challenges of family life, whatever they may be that you face in the future. So you'll know your worth. And, you know, if you're working on this as a young person now, like as a young woman, especially knowing who you are and valuing who you are and coming to like who you are, appreciating the gifts that God has given you, gives you a sense of self-worth and confidence that is so hugely important that it's not tied up in whatever guy you're with or like you need to be in a relationship to feel worthy of being loved, that gain that kind of self-worth, that kind of self-confidence that will pay off huge dividends in your married relationship and in your, your experience of motherhood in future years to learn to know yourself and like yourself. Young women that I've known in my life who've kind of been in that stage of like, you know, single Catholic womanhood that I've had the blessing to have beautiful relationships with with women like that through the years. I always, I love to see them have that opportunity to become who God means for them to be. Maybe years and years before they would ever, you know, say yes to the vocation of marriage, but maybe right before they would. God has a plan for you. But the plan isn't going to start next week or next year or 10 years from now or whenever you get married or start your quote unquote real life. Your real life's happening right now. Enjoy it. Find out who you are. Learn more about yourself. 
Learn what skills you have and what gifts you have to bring to whatever vocation God is calling you to. Learn the unique ways that God is calling you to a unique mission, what plan he has for you. And learn to like yourself in that. Learn who you are in the eyes of God and that you are worthy because of who you are. It's a beautiful gift that you can bring to any relationship that you might step into in the future. So learn to like yourself. All right. The uh, fourth skill that I think you could be working on now if you want to get married later is the practice of humility. This is one, of course, we all need to be practicing humility no matter what stage of life you're in. But I know Uh, many of my stumbling blocks and particular challenges and ways in which I've caused myself more pain than I needed to go through in different experiences inside of married life was fully caused by pride, a lack of humility. I mean, I went into parenting. I look back now and 26 years ago, there really wasn't any social media. And thank goodness there wasn't because I think I would have been an idiot. Like I would have been a jerk on Instagram, like just thinking I knew it all. And there's a certain level of idealism, I think, that comes with youth. And that's a good thing. Like I'm not telling you not to have a plan, but the ways in which I had a plan, like I will raise my kids like this. My motherhood will look like this and it's all going to be all in a row. Like never was I a more perfect parent than before I had kids. Like I had it all figured out. I really thought I did. And um, to some extent, that's normal, right? You're exploring these ideas and you've got these ideals in mind and this level of maybe perfection that you think you can achieve. But life has taught me a degree of humility that's been painful to learn, frankly. And I think that there's such a gift in that, though. I can see that, even though I wouldn't have chosen some of the more humbling moments of my my marriage and parenthood. But kind of learning that there's no one right way to do things, or you can't do things X, Y, and Z and have outcome Q always, you know, that it doesn't always work that way. There are no guarantees you know, there's there's just God's grace. And it's humbling to learn that because you kind of want to feel like you're in charge, especially about marriage and motherhood. Like these things are so important. I want to know, I want to have a guarantee that it's all going to work out. I want the magic formula. And, you know, I would have told you early on, I wouldn't have probably been arrogant enough to say I had the magic formula, but I thought I, I thought I knew how to, how to make things work out, you know. And, and to some degree, some of the things I knew were good and they were right and they were based on my own, you know, experience growing up one in a family, one of nine kids and, you know, the things that my own parents did very well that has served me very well. But I've had to learn the hard way, some hard lessons of humility. So I think any way that you can practice humility and let go of this is the part, judging other people, It's going to lead to your future happiness. You know, you're going to have a greater level of happiness. The more you can work on that idea of maybe even just letting go of a rigid idea of what your vocation should look like. Even years before you're married, maybe you have an idea of what it should look like. I think it's fine to have an idea of what it could look like and be open to what God might be calling you to work toward. That's all great. But having this rigid idea of what it has to look like, I think there's a certain level of pride involved in that. Because for me anyway, it was more focused on the outward appearance of perfection, more focused on a sort of a pride in that like we are doing things the right way. And that's not to say there's no right or wrong (laughs) with regard to, for sure, there's a ton of morality involved inside of parenting, but there's a lot of flexibility there too. Like there are the teachings of the church 
And the teachings of the church don't outline real specific parenting practices. So there's a lot of room for diversity there. And we wound up doing things inside of our own marriage and parenting that we probably would have said were off the table early on. Like, we will never do that. We will never do it this way. And we just had to learn through the years and just the reality of what life is like and the challenges that real life has presented us that many times there's no one right way to do it. And outside of the teachings of the church and whatever the church is explicit about, of course, you know, those are the rules and, you know, that is morality. But some of these specifics about other things, other kinds of decisions you might make in your parenting, whether it's about, you know, attachment parenting or breastfeeding or bottle feeding or having the baby sleep in your bed or like all of these other things, there's a lot of flexibility there. There's a lot of room for different ways of doing things. And I would encourage you to, in whatever way you can, work on humility in your life. Work work on ways of being humble because in a lot of ways, I can look back now and say, I made that whole situation so much harder for myself because of my pride. And, you know, having a more humble attitude going into it probably would have served everyone better. And of course, humility is one of those virtues that gets a bad rap because we think, oh, it means like being a pushover or, you know, being a doormat for people. But that's not at all what it means. It means knowing who you are. And that is, spoiler alert, not God. (laughs) You're not God. You don't have things perfectly figured out. And I didn't either. And I'm not God either. And the more my life has taught me that I am not God, and the more I have learned my place to know God's place in the world and to know my place in the world, the better that has served me in my family life, in my marriage, in all whatever work I might ever do. I think that's so important that true humility is knowing who you are. And that is a human being and and flawed and limited in many ways. And and giving God his place, I think, is so vitally important. And that is what humility teaches us to do. Place God in his place. Um, Have you ever heard the Jesus prayer? It's a nice habit of prayer. And many people practice it by praying it many times or repeating it many times throughout your day. But, you know, the basic prayer is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And just praying those words, that that practice, I think, can really help you to grow in humility. Because what I've discovered is when I do make a habit of praying that prayer throughout my day or in quiet moments, just kind of repeating that prayer or in a moment where I'm feeling challenged, repeating that prayer is reminding me who God is. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, God is in heaven. He's in his place. He's in control. He's in charge. Have mercy on me, a sinner. That's me. (laughs) I'm weak. I'm flawed. I'm not in charge. I'm not in control. And the more we can make that a practice, whether it's using that prayer or other ways that you might practice uh, humility or just reminding yourself who you are. And that doesn't mean beating yourself up and saying you're worthless. That's not what humility is. But it's knowing your place. And too many times, pride and arrogance and this kind of wanting, this grasping at control will lead us to those those ways in which we kind of hold on to this illusion that we're in charge and that we can control things. We can control outcomes just by, you know, working harder or just by doing the right things. We'll get the right outcomes. And life doesn't work that way. And the more we can grow in humility and accept that 
and learn to trust in God, trust in the goodness of God who loves us and is always calling us into deeper relationship with Him. And that comes through trusting Him, the different ways that He calls us to trust in Him, maybe even just practicing that prayer, you know, sacred heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in Thee. That's a lot of humility right there. That's recognizing who you are and who God is, reminding yourself of your place in the world, placing your trust in God and recognizing you're not in control. I think the more you can do that, the better you will be served later in your married life, later when you perhaps experience parenthood, that there are so many ways that we're challenged inside of that in very real ways to let go of that sense of control. And it's an ongoing process. I for sure don't have it figured out yet, but I do recognize the importance of practicing humility in whatever ways you can be working on cultivating that virtue in your life. It will serve you really well in the long term. Okay, the fifth skill that I would encourage you to work on if you want to be married later, but you can work on this now, is to look for ways that you can give up keeping score. This is one. This is a big one (laughs) because we go around in life keeping score, don't we? This is just human nature. We keep track of things. We like to know if we're winning or losing or we like fairness. We like for things to come out fair. But giving up keeping score is a huge one. And, you know, there are ways that when you're single or when you're just, you know, working or whatever, that makes sense for keeping score in some way. Like, you know, you're balancing things with your roommates or you're at your workplace, like, you know, balancing the workload, making sure things are fair or people are given credit for what they've done and that sort of thing. But um, nothing has taught me (laughs) more so than married life that things don't always come out even. And I mean, that applies to all human relationships. That's just reality. But we wind up making ourselves miserable when we're fighting that battle of keeping score. And you know what? This idea of keeping score and wanting things to come out even and wanting, you know, everything to be fair all the time, like life isn't fair. Human relationships aren't fair. You know, hopefully they're balanced in some way and they're reciprocal in some way. But for the most part, they're never going to feel perfectly balanced and they're never going to feel perfectly fair. So, you know, just in the strictest sense of talking about like contributions to the household, this idea that everything's going to come out 50-50 is completely a joke and you're setting yourself up for complete misery. You're going to be miserable if that's what your expectation is. Yes, for the most part, you know, we want to make sure that everyone's contributing and whatnot, but going into marriage with the spirit of keeping track and keeping score and wanting to be sure everything's 50-50 and you're not going to get taken advantage of by this other person, that is the opposite of a spirit of generosity, which is what you need. If you're making a gift of yourself in the vocation of marriage, you need to practice generosity, patience, charity self-gift. It's sacrificial and it hurts and it doesn't always feel good. So recognizing that and recognizing it's human nature. Like you probably already know this from your experiences, like say you have roommates or you grew up with siblings. We, We all notice our own contributions more than contributions of other people. We take other people's contributions for granted. We don't recognize them. We don't value them as much. Like, oh, he did that thing. That's great, you know, but we kind of, we devalue it. We don't recognize it. But then if we're the ones contributing, if we're the ones doing that thing, boy, do we value it and we know what it costs. And the temptation is to kind of be keeping count of our own contributions all the time, which we notice, and then not so much noticing the 
contributions of other people. So it's never going to feel like it comes out even. And that's not to say it does always come out even and we just don't know it. No, it doesn't. And just, you know, recognize that life is messy like that. And it's not always going to come out even. You know, I remember so vividly one time when I went to visit a girlfriend of mine and I went over her house and we had little kids and they were like, you know, playing in the next room and we went into her kitchen and she had like this trash can in the corner of her kitchen and it was just like overflowing. There was garbage like spilling out of it. And there was garbage piled up next to the trash can. It was gross, like just garbage spilling out into her kitchen. And I was like, what's going on here? And my girlfriend said to me, and this is in all seriousness, and I have, you know, complete sympathy for this situation. I understand it. She said to me, it's his turn to take out the trash and he's not doing it. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, you know, looking at this pile of trash in her kitchen that she's like living in. And and I said, well, you know, I, I get it. Like, it's his turn, but why don't you just do it? So like, you know, this isn't happening here in your kitchen. And I'll never forget her response because it was just so human. She was like, yeah, I know I could do it, but if I do it, then he wins. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, I get it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I, I totally understand feeling that way. And yet, because she didn't want him to win, here she was living in trash, you know, like that's a very physical example of what we do. Like we're holding on to that sense of justice and righteousness and it's our own pride is wrapped up in it. It's the pride thing again. But the idea of keeping score and that it's not fair and if if he wins, then I lose. And, you know, that whole mentality, you're living in trash. And, you know, in the meantime, that's what you're choosing is to live in trash rather than just do the thing and accept that life doesn't always come out even. It doesn't always come out perfectly 50-50. Sometimes it feels like you're doing 100% and the other person's doing zero. But guess what? They feel that way sometimes too. Recognize that. And this idea of winning and losing, I mean, this is this is fully part of the keeping score. Like I've had to remind myself so many times throughout my marriage that we're on the same team. He's not somebody I'm competing against. It, like there's winners and losers or we're not fighting like a courtroom battle or an athletic competition. And in, in the end, one of us wins and the other one loses. In the end, if we're keeping score, if one of us is considering like winners and losers, we've both already lost. Game over. So recognize that, that it's not a competition and that it's not going to come out fair. Let go of this idea of keeping score. I love this quotation from um, St. Therese of Lisieux, who said, when one loves, one does not calculate. That is so important for us to keep in mind. Do you love? Are you calculating? It's so tempting to calculate. Even if you're just doing it in, you know, you think in a generous spirit, like, look at all these great things I've done. Just be very wary of that. Rid yourself of that habit of keeping score in any way that you might be doing it right now in your life. It will serve you so well in the long term, especially if you're called to be married inside of a married relationship. There's no room for that keeping score. And I 100% get the temptation for it. I do. <laughs> I get it. And I've done it myself. But I'm here to tell you that is a game for losers because you're both going to wind up losing. When you keep score, everyone loses and you're going to be miserable. So choose choose to be happy. Choose joy instead. 
And um, that will serve you very well in the long term, especially if God is calling you to the vocation of marriage. All right, so those are my five skills that I would recommend that you be working on now if you want to get married later. So just to recap, first, establish a daily prayer life. That habit of daily prayer is so vitally important. Expose yourself to families. Work on family skills in whatever way you can, whatever way makes sense in your life right now. Number three, learn to like yourself. Know who you are and like yourself right now, how you are, who you are today without living in the future. Number four, practice humility. Work on that virtue. Practice being humble. Know who you are and know who God is. And number five, give up keeping score. You will just wind up miserable if you hold on to that idea. So those are my five things that I wanted to share with you today for things that you could be working on now if you want to be married later. If you have feedback for me on this topic or another topic that maybe you'd like to hear here on Girlfriends, I always love to hear from you. You can connect with me through email. You can send me an email at danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Voxer. You can connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on every form of social media. So you can find me there pretty easily. But you can also always go to the show notes at ascensionpress.com and leave a comment there or connect with me there. If you can't remember to go to ascensionpress.com right now, take a minute right now and text the word girlfriends to 33777 and you will be subscribed to the podcast. It will come right to your inbox every week. You'll get the show notes sent right there and we will always be connected right here on Girlfriends. I would love to be able to connect with you in that way. So that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you for joining me for this special exclusive Seek 21 episode of the Girlfriends podcast. I'm so happy to have connected with you here Thank you for being a part of today's show. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.